Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the... <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I thought I could do it, and I can't do it. I think you should do it. <laughs> Welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebus. That's me. Hi, Zane. How you doing? <laughs> It's uh, it's uh, 7 a.m. I've had three Bloody Marys already, and we are here to talk to you about UFC Fight Night. Uh, 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 Fazee versus Gamrot. Excuse the pause there. <laughs> and uh, just so while you drive your way to work. So, Zane. Yes, Connor? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the co-host. I don't know. Okay. Okay. We've run this into the ground. I was going to start doing like beatboxing my way through the morning radio sounds. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. let's go to the news chopper. You know, that kind of thing. But yeah. that can only go so far. No, it, I think it could go about half as far as we took it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're here talking about this UFC fight night card going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, headlined by a lightweight title fight. Rafael Faziv, Mateusz Gamrot, lightweight top contenders, solid fight, solid card. We're talking about the prelims right now with a featured prelim bout between Miles Johns and Dan Argetta. And uh, it's a solid prelim card, too. Honestly, like it, they're prelims. They don't have to be important, but there are. Hey, like I said, at the at the top of the main card, Vivi, I'm like, this is a pretty good card. I, you're, I've won you over by now. I can tell. Yeah, there are three prelim. Fi- there are three fighters on the prelims that I really am interested in. And one fight that I expect to be absolutely hilarious. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely in- interested in that. And we're thinking of the same fight. Can't wait yes. to get to that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and this is not a particularly easy fight to call. No. You, I, I, I hope that you have come around to the idea that Dan Argetta is okay at MMA. Yes. Since the last time when you thought Ronnie Lawrence was going to All beat right. him. All right. <laughs> to bring that up. <laughs> uh, y- yeah. He's, he's, he's okay at MMA and, and is quite similar to miles Johns really with really uh, quite similar with a greater emphasis, I think on positional grappling, but, uh, is quite similar. These are both stocky muscle bound guys who hit pretty hard, uh, who are solid grindy kind of wrestlers. And I think Argueta is just a little happier to be burning energy on the ground than miles Johns. Mm hmm. But uh, otherwise, their games look quite similar, and it's, for that reason, not really that easy. 
No. To uh, to say who has who has any kind of big advantage here. Yeah, I think if there's any advantage to be, I mean, John's is the more uh, practiced, been you know, been fighting longer at a higher level. Yes. Than Argetta kind of there's fighter. A, there there is increasing depth to Miles Johns's striking. Yeah. Uh, and comfort, really, that he is just a, a much savvier, uh, better counterpuncher than he used to be. Does a much better job of like reestablishing his range. Yeah, getting back to a good angle, not just getting trapped on the fence. Um, more comfortable coming forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, I suspect, the thing that will have me picking him because. I don't know yet what Argueta's striking looks like if he doesn't get to just walk somebody down for free. Yeah, well, which he it, loves to do. But the 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 other flip side of this, as I was going to say, is that while John's it, John's is the he's the more practiced, he's the created more depth. He's been at this longer. He's been fighting for like nine or ten years now. Mm-hmm. To Argueta, who turned pro in 2019, uh, um. And there is a, you know, I think you're right. There's a lot more nuance to the striking that Johns has developed over time. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot more opportunity for lost confidence in John's game. Argetta is the kind of fighter who... I see what you're saying. he He can have a fight go against him. He can get stuck. He can get... Uh, lost in a fight, cannot really. He can run out of ideas, mm-hmm. but he doesn't tend to break. Yeah, he doesn't he just, tend to stop trying to do the things he he wanted to do, even if it's not going to win him the fight. Keeps plugging away. Yeah, you know, you can look at that fight he had with. Uh, oh man, I, Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson. Yeah, where like Jackson took him down and just kind of like backpacked him and out grappled him and held him in place for long stretches. But every time Argetta would get a moment of freedom, he would immediately start punishing Damon Jackson again. Mm-hmm. Was just like, no, 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 I can't, I'm not yeah. going to lose. There's no point where I'm going to stop wanting my fight, even if I can't get it. Yeah. And and I think Johns has also improved in this regard. I mean, I thought he he was uh, he was quite strong throughout against John Castaneda, for example. But um, yeah, certainly you look at a fight like the one he had with like Mario Batista. Yeah, and, and I mean, even Castaneda fight, he can get Johns can yeah, get and that one back foot, and yeah. he can get in situations where you can tell he's thinking this is not. Yeah, this is not where I want to be right now. This is not what yeah. I want to be doing. But it is it is still very uh, noteworthy to me that uh, both of these guys are much better strikers than Dan Argueta. Yes. Much deeper striking games, much better at adjusting and um, and both coming in with really strong, like nuanced game plans. And Argueta again I I it's it's just hard for me to know what to expect given that he pretty much just wants to have one kind of fight with everybody and it doesn't seem necessarily like a kind of fight that is going to hold up. It might not. Jones. It might not. The the other thing that has that I'm interested in though with Argueta is 
the fact that I think he's a much more and this might be this might be a loser for him. I don't know. But he's also a much more comfortable, aggressive grappler than yes. Jones. Yeah, yeah. Like he is a fighter who once he gets takedowns, he wants to hunt out ground positions that he can win. And he wants to hunt out submissions where John's just kind of he John's is a, he's evolving a very solid, like, you know, 2000s MMA game. Mm-hmm. Like he's such a wrestle boxer. Oh, yeah. And but John's is really hard to take down. He is really hard to take down. I just wonder if we're going to see a fight where they get to scramble regardless where, you know, John's is going to want to take, get takedowns because Argetta's not necessarily hard to take down. Sure. But he's a much more, like I say, he's more confident and he, he's a, I think he's a better scrambler and a better. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Grappler. Mm-hmm. So it could be that he just gets put on his ass and John's holds him down. And that's just another Avenue for John's to control this fight and keep it where he's confident. Or it could be a point where Argetta can start making John's tired. Could be, yeah. And where he can start sapping John's confidence and turning this fight against him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure which, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go John's. I'll take yeah. this as a fight where they're, they are so similar in a lot of ways that I, you know, both, both physically imposing despite their height. I mean, they're going to be, I imagine, close to equal height here. They're both stocky. Mm-hmm. Um, but both both pretty strong athletes. Uh, I think that in that kind of matchup, I'll just go for the experience edge, basically. That yeah, they are the exact same size. There so. you go. Yeah, and I just don't know um, what happens if Dan Argueta does not get to come forward and just sort of dish big hard right hands and elbows at people, all in the service of like crashing into a takedown. Like that's the striking game he likes to play that could fall apart at a number of points that it's just not yet determined. Like where that's funny. His nickname is the determined. Um, it's, 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 it's as yet undetermined where his game goes. If say the crashing into the clinch does not lead to a takedown. Yeah. Or he, uh, the crashing into the clinch is countered with strikes. You know, you can definitely see John's landing that big right uppercut he loves mm-hmm, to throw. Mm-hmm. Or if he just doesn't get to come forward. And there have been fights where John's has been more aggressive. He has developed yeah. a jab in recent years. He throws better combinations. And again, just looks a lot calmer. So I think he's he has really improved his ability to extend himself later into fights uh, as he has gained experience. So I'm just going to take the vet. Yeah. It's not like he's an old crusty vet. I mean, Johns should nope. be entering his physical prime right now. He, Argetta is a year older. There you go. Johns is he's been fighting way longer, but he's only twenty nine. Yeah, and he has clearly improved. So I'm definitely going to take the the veteran who is also somehow younger than the prospect. I'm going to take Argetta. I think yeah. I think he can make this fight. Re- I think he can get the scrambling that he well. Ugh. That that it would have to be John shooting himself in the foot, basically. Yeah, and I I I can see that happening. Sure. I'm also just seeing that that Argetta is a Jackson Wink guy, <laughs> and that uh, John's is a training out of Fortis MMA, yeah. which does just immediately 
give me a lot of pause on my very idea. much the new school of fight preparation versus the old school here. Yeah, I'm still I'm you know what? I'll just for, for the sake of difference, I'm I'm picking Argetta. I think he can create scrambles that he can start to win and start to drain John's confidence yeah. and just kind of break him down over the course of the fight. I think what's lost Argetta fights in the past is uh tends to be fighters that either will just go and totally control him or can outstrike or can just like outwork him standing put you know the ricky tercios loss on tough Mm -hmm. and i don't jackson to an extent too yeah johns is not very high output yeah johns is not very high output and he his game on the mat i don't think it's really made to lock uh argetta down no so i think argetta can create a lot of the kind of chaos that's going to make johns uncomfortable so sure yeah just stay all over him Yep, I'm I'm gonna take Argetta here, but it it should be it it's a kind of a mirror match, honestly. So yeah, I'm into he, that. And it stands out to me that he will. I don't think that pick is nonsense or anything, but yeah, the fact that he will be trying to stay all over Miles Johns with again a much less sophisticated sort of game than like Mario Batista's. Sure, sure. Uh, I I, th- I just think there's opportunities for him to get nailed. No, there are a ton. It, it, it could easily be, you know, Argetta has not lost by knockout yet in his career, but Bantamweight. Also, he hasn't fought that many people. Yeah, Bantamweight is, it's a division that, uh, you know, doesn't yeah. play around. Yep. So. He hasn't really faced a uh, noted puncher, and Johns is not the hardest hitting Bantamweight out there, but he hits hard. Yeah, no, he's, no, he's got no a No question about that. Him. I think the main reason he doesn't finish more people is that he doesn't throw much. Yeah. He's, he certainly hits hard. All right, odds on the bout. Miles Johns is the slight underdog. Opened at plus 183. is currently down at plus 155. So those odds are getting closer. Argetta opened at minus 207. It's currently minus 175. I think they should be dead even, honestly. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe even favor Johns slightly. Mm-hmm. He's younger. He has more experience. He's fighting out of a better camp. Mm-hmm. I know he's been finished a couple times, but Castaneda and Batista are both more deft uh, creative strikers than Argetta is. So mm-hmm. it may yeah, be like just it. that. Yeah, it's a, it's a good fight. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Tim means Andre Fialho and please just Fialho. Fialho, Andre, whatever, Brazilian nonsense. He's not Brazilian. He's Portuguese. Uh, whatever, Portuguese. He's European <laughs> Portuguese. Just pure, <laughs> you know, this is all, what's it, uh, settler, you know, conquer vibes. These, these, what? <laughs> these, these nonsense European... He's from Portugal. That's where the <laughs> you're accusing him of colonialism. Colonialism, yeah. That would apply to a white man from Brazil, perhaps. He is literally from Portugal. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I'm just trying to justify my hate for <laughs> for Portuguese names. Yeah, for Portuguese names. Fialho. Um, Tim means Andre Fialho, and the question of. Is this young gun bad enough that Tim Means can still school him? 
right? Uh, yeah, that really is the question. Because what is what is the floor for Tim Means' obvious decline? Yeah, Tim Means has lost a step. He's got this game that it's a pressure game built on testing and prodding opponents into striking with him so that he can come back at them with bigger counter shots. Frankly, the and, fact that he made it work for so long. Yeah. And and still is looking good for at least decent stretches of all these losses. Yeah. Um is a testament to just how skilled Tim Means is because that is not a style built to age well. No, it's 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 always been it's an intensely difficult style to to practice. Yeah, because he's, really... he's just a fighter who is always in range. Yep. His response to being thrown at is to stay there and make you miss and, and punish you for it. Like yep. it is a style that should invite a lot more punishment than Tim Means has received. Yeah. Uh, and Fialio is a guy who is just kind of predictable to a fault. Like he is a fighter yeah. that can be tricked into doing exactly the thing you want him to do. Oh yeah. Which I think is, you know, we've talked a lot about the good sides of uh, Henry Hooft mm-hmm. as a coach. This is kind of the bad side of Hooft as a coach, which is that he is teaching very set sort of strategic fundamentals to fighters. And if they don't really understand the the nuances of application, it doesn't really give them a lot of tools to work with in their fights. You know, they, they end up going out with a, a very basic, simple toolkit to work with. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Fiala would be better served if like Hooft was letting him throw wheel kicks and shit. No, well, I'm not saying that, but I I don't, I don't, I don't think the, I think the fact that if the fact that he has a pretty basic boxing game is a problem, it is because of the thing that we have identified in him multiple times, which is that I just don't think he likes fighting that much. I think he likes winning. Yeah. But I just don't think he likes the stress of a fight. So like, and I'm just saying that there's, there are one, there's no one size fits all coaching out there, you know, and that maybe there is a camp out there that could get more out of Fialia's, uh, obvious athletic skills. Yeah. He hits giving hard. Him, he's he's a pretty he's got pretty good technique. Yeah. Giving him a style that allowed him to avoid a fight more. Yeah. You know? But he a doesn't more, have a great chin yeah. and or he doesn't like being thrown at. So yeah. he just give, reacts give him, badly to pressure. Give him a more restricted a, a more reductive style, more subtractive style. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Where Hooft is a guy who's just like, no, get out there, you sissy, you get in the pocket and you you do the punches like I told you, you yeah. know. <laughs> but even then, having a subtractive game, you got to be really sophisticated, I think, to make that work in MMA, any division, really. I mean, it was. Uh, oh man, why am I forgetting his name? What the Scottish fighter? 
Uh, Stevie Ray. Was Stevie uh-huh. Ray sophisticated? Um, did Stevie Ray win all his fights? He won a lot of fights. Yeah. A very subtractive game. Or, you know, Des Green. Like, there, there are a lot of dudes who can make just having a very negative style. But do any of these guys have a confidence that is just built to fall? I mean, that's the thing is like, if you're, if you're a guy who seems equipped with mental and physical fragility from the outset, then adopting a style where you're going to let the opponent sort of, well, I mean, or, you know, like, uh, Overeem, he did it late in his career. Yeah. That's heavyweight. I know it's heavy. I thought of that immediately when I said in any division. Yeah. You need to be sophisticated. I was like, wait, over aim. And now Cyril Gaon's doing it. His game basically sucks, but it looks amazing. Um, There is, there are margin, there are more margins for it in MMA than there are in like boxing or kickboxing. Yeah. I mean, Stevie Ray was like 50, 50 in the UFC, dude. I know, but he didn't get knocked out every fight. That's the problem for y'all. All right. You know, is that he's not only is he, he is he losing now, yeah. but he's getting melted. I don't know. I don't think Fialia would enjoy <laughs> would enjoy a style which had him allowing the opponent to come forward and like relying on his ability to evade. Maybe if he'd been equipped with that from day one, is what you're saying. Yeah. That yeah. He would have yeah. But he he just he he cannot maintain the aggression that should make his game work and he can't it doesn't have to be crazy. It's like when yeah. he fought Michelle Pereira, he he had a lot of good moments where Pereira was like starting to tire and Fialia turned the pressure on and he just cannot maintain it. Like no. the stress gets to him and he needs a break. And he I'm just gonna, always lets the opponent take over. I'm going to pick Tim Means and I think I will too. And I, I'm it, very it, nervous. A, yeah. It's an old man pick. It's us, you know, riding, yeah, riding with our homie here and being like, you know, wanted wanted to cheer for the dude. I want to cheer for the dude that's my age out there and like riding the the razor's edge of his cru- crusty, crafty old man style. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he still has means has still had a chin. He's still not getting knocked out, like. Uh. He got knocked out by Nico Price in a few years ago. Yeah. And he's been getting hurt. He got donked. He's been getting hurt in every fight, basically. He got donked really hard by Kevin Holland and by Morono. Yeah, no, he did. He's getting hurt. But he's not just getting finished. And if he's not just getting finished, is Fialu going to... One, I mean, he has power. He might one punch KO him. He does. He does. Yeah, he does have power. But I'm just gonna pick means to just be able to prod him into throwing back, and then be able to counter him, and just yeah, and, I'm, and I'm probably, not confident at all. I, no, I'm not confident at all either. Like I said, this is this is an old man making a. I want my old man to my fellow old man to win. Yeah, basically, it Tim means winning. Um, supposes that he can have, he can weather what might be a pretty unpleasant and dangerous storm early. One that yeah. he, one that he forces to happen. Yeah. Uh, by getting in Fialio's grill, and that that sustained pressure will just make Fialio miserable, and means will be able to take over. Yeah. 
And um, there are a lot of ways for that to go wrong. Oh, yeah. The most notable of which is that means his reactions are just much slower and his chin is not as good as it used to be. Yep. And he is getting rocked in basically every fight now. This is what I'm going to Tim Means is going to get rocked badly in round one. He's yeah. going to survive and he's going to scrape out the next two rounds. Yeah. That's what I'm going to pick. Yeah, I'm I'm picking the same thing. I will say also that there is an outside chance that Fialu could also take him down. Yeah, no, there which is, is another thing that Fialu might want to explore more to kind of. If he was another... more of a, I will hold somebody down and be like happy doing this kind of yeah. guy. I would pick him to to win. Yeah, he does have a wrestling game. You know, he yeah. he has he has some decent takedowns and everything, but it's it's never been a thing that wins whole fights for him. So no, I'll take means with very shaky confidence. Yeah, no confidence at all. Yeah. I'm just doing it purely. It's like a, you know. I yeah, mean, I, know, I think it makes it. sense. I, I do yeah. genuinely think it makes sense, but. I mean, I, five I, you, years ago, we would have picked means in a heartbeat. Oh, question. Yeah. And that's the reason that I'm picking him now, basically. But it is yeah. with the extremely uh, prominent condition that means has clearly lost a step, is yep. getting finished in his fights, is getting hurt. Uh, yep. That nobody lives forever, and Tim Means' yep. uh, career as a fighter is coming to its end. Yeah, so he has lived longer than most, absolutely, in this game. With a live by the sword, die by the sword kind of game, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which again, like this, the 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 uh, benchmark of technical skill and comfort in these like super hairy kinds of exchanges that most MMA fighters absolutely hate. Um, it is a real testament to how high level Tim Means was that he could keep this style going for so long. But that is the reason why now that he's finally hit the wall, it's pretty stark because yeah. the game he has spent his entire career cultivating is inherently very dangerous. Yeah, man. Imagine, though, if 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 Tony Ferguson had actually cultivated more of Tim Means game and not and while being the level of athlete that he is. Yeah. Because, like, Tony Ferguson's way faster than Tim Means. Yeah, and harder hitting. And harder hitting, and a better wrestler and grappler. Better grappler, everything. Yeah. And has tried to cultivate a facsimile, an untechnical facsimile of Tim Means' game. He's too zany. He is too zany. All right. Means opened at plus 173. He's currently down to plus 148. And uh, Fialu opened at minus 195 and is currently at minus 166. I like those odds getting closer and closer. Yep. This should be a coin flip. Fialu may be a slight favorite. Um, means, yeah, like I know he's losing, but he's still competitive. And Fialu is at, you know, at his worst fights, Fialu's just going out and, like, getting donked. Kind of feels like, you know? I don't know. He's he's losing to better fighters than Fialu, too. I mean... Yeah. Would Fialu beat uh, Alex Morono? I don't think so. No. I would not pick that at all. Although Alex Morono does have the habit of just, like, suddenly reminding everyone that he's one of the least athletic welterweights in That's the true. U.S. That's true. Yeah, could could also get Chaos Williams. Yeah, where but, uh, but I wouldn't pick Fialu over Morono or Max Griffin or Kevin Holland. No, 
No. And these are the guys beating Tim Means. Yeah. Or Nicholas Dalby, who Tim Means recently beat. Yep. So yeah, it's it's really it it is it is both the respect to Tim Means that I'm picking up, but also that Fialu, something is fundamentally broken in Fialu's game. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout. And man, these dudes like Malcoon just must have needed a fight. Disrespecting my boy Malcoon. I mean, he I have to assume he just said, I need a fight on this date. Sign me up for somebody. Sure. Yeah. Because he literally it, just beat Nick Maximov, who beat Cody Brundage. <laughs> it's yeah. like this is this really is a step down. This is a I mean, Brundage at this point. At the point that Brundage lost to Sadriquis Dumas, yeah, Brundage has to be consider, considered one of the worst middleweights in the UFC right now. Yeah, or got out grappled by Mikhail Alexejuk. Yeah, like that's not a good look. Brundage, I mean, he's he he's a fighter who shows. I I have praised him in the past. He's a fighter that shows up with a basic game plan for how to beat somebody. Yeah, but he has the skill set of Ian Heinish. Yeah, it is incredible. His game is so razor paper thin. Yeah, that despite him always showing up with the right ideas, he just like those ideas go out the way. He he, I w- went back and watched that Dumas fight for again for this. He had Sadriquis Dumas just absolutely outmatched immediately. Yeah. And jumped for two guillotines that lost him the first two rounds of this fight. Yeah. Entirely. Because he had no he has no he has no fundamental grappling game. Yeah. He's jumping for a guillotine without a fundamental ability to grapple well. He just, I guess, assumes he'll scramble out, but he's not even that scrambly. No. Like, again, Oleg Sage got into his guard and just, like, sat there punching him. Yeah. Couldn't it's, deal with it. Um, yeah, Malkoon is too good. Malkoon is a very... Yeah. He is really... If Malkoon was a good athlete, he'd be a world beater because <laughs> he's... Malkoon is the fighter who... He shows up with a good game plan, a good idea of a game plan to beat somebody... And he has the and, fundamental skills, yeah, a bunch to make of skills it, to carry it off to, to, yeah. to make it flexible, you know, yes. so that it doesn't. It's not a brittle game plan like Brundage's is destined to be because there's n- there is no foundation it's built on. It's just a couple ideas. Yeah, Malcoon has a game up. plan which operates with like the four or five ideas he always have, all of which are very solid and and nuanced. Yeah, it's Good. his is more the idea of like, oh, I know I. I could probably out wrestle AJ Dobson and he'd shoot. He shot for a bunch of takedowns and didn't get them. And then he got one single leg and he was like, Oh, single leg forever. I've got a whole bunch of single legs I can hit. This is the move. Yeah, exactly. He has a game where he can cycle through ideas. Yeah. To see how best to implement the strategic concept. He sort of came in with. Brundage is a Rolodex with one card in it. (laughs) Of course, yeah, he's, he's, he's got he's got ideas on speed dial, but he has one of those like June bug old phones for old people. <laughs> he only has two buttons. It's just call call daughter, <laughs> call guillotine. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, yeah, and Malcoon's got a great jab, and it is great not because he's like super fast or has super long arms. It's great because he's positionally very yeah. astute. He yep. uh, he is just difficult to like chase after. He is difficult to crowd. Um, it's difficult to just to outposition him. He uses the jab really well, and yeah, uh, yeah he just has a solid, fundamentally solid game. We've compared him uh, in the past to uh, Bilal Muhammad, and honestly, like, yeah, you know, I, I feel like that. And I think he's a better, he's a bit of a bit of a better boxer than Bilal, just because he really likes that jab. <laughs> he's just also dramatically way more undersized for his division than Muhammad too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a big problem for him. Whatever, however long he wants to stay at middleweight, he's a five, nine middleweight. Like he needs to get on whatever juice below is on. I mean, um, uh, not that something else. He needs to get a better strength and conditioning program. He is fundamental. He is shorter than Bilal Muhammad. Wow. Up a division. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, like, he, he lost to Brendan Allen. Bilal Muhammad lost to Allen Joban, you know? Right, they, right. Th- these people are capable of losing to very good athletes at, at all sorts of different places. But at the same time, Malkoon is, you know, he's beating much better athletes consistently. Yep. So. Yeah, and, of course, he got one-shotted by Phil Halls, but. Yeah. But. But is that not a fight where, like, if they rematch it, you would just pick Malcolm without question? Like, well, just yeah. don't get one shot at this time, and obviously you're going to win because exactly. yeah, he, he is that good. Exactly, and like you know, he once again you go back to Bilal Muhammad, and he got one shot at by Vicente Luque, you know, true, like, and came back and beat him. Yeah, the it, it the, they these are very good very crafty fighters that are going i i expect malcoon to be around and be good in this division for a long time mm-hmm. just by being very strategic and very smart with his tools and brundage he's 20, yeah he's 28 we probably got 5 good years for malcoon at least at least i mean middleweight is the you know sure. it, yeah. it's it's getting into the age list divisions Middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight are much more mm-hmm. of the like you can be good till forty. Sure, you know. Derek Brunson is just like just got his release from the UFC as a top ten middleweight. Unless it's heavyweight, I will say that does usually require some elite athleticism. Still, to go that far that long, yeah. which Malcoon definitely doesn't have. No, yeah. But but, uh, but uh, yeah, you know he's he's good, I mean, and I think he will continue to get better. The Aussie Dan uh, from uh, years ago, the Aussie middleweight judo guy. Oh um, yeah yeah yeah. I can't you know. believe I'm forgetting his name. The chip shop kick guy. Yeah. Dan something with an H. Was it Henry? No. Um, uh, Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly. Yeah. Like Dan Kelly was like forty-two, you know. Like there, there is room to be a weird old man Absolutely. above welterweight. Yeah, so, that's true. I I think there's there's uh, you know still a lot of future for Malcoon out there, and look forward to watching him. And this should be a layup fight, frankly. Yeah. If it's not, 
then maybe I have to reassess the fact that he's just absolutely. Tiny. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he should he should look good here. He shouldn't really have problems with Brundage. Yeah. Uh, odds have yeah. <laughs> at least hey, at least gamblers are catching on to to Malcoon's quality. Sure. He Let's opened at minus four forty eight and is currently a minus five fifteen. Hey. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, too wide certainly, but I I appreciate the respect <laughs> to, yeah. to Malcolm. Like, oh yeah, he's not going to lose to Cody Brundage. He shouldn't. Brundage opened at plus three fifty nine. Is currently a plus four oh five. So, yeah, I like it. I like Malcolm as a fighter. I like what he brings to the cage, and you know, I think he. I don't know. Like, you know, it may be that he'll just be too small to ever be an actually truly elite middleweight, but. I could easily see him just being a problem in that division for a long time. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to heavyweights. <laughs> this is the fight we've been Our waiting for. Our clown show fight of the night. They should just put these men in suspenders, give them pies. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't actually need to see them fight. Mm-hmm. We can they should fight with those big novelty boxing gloves on. Yes. Yes. Get the novelty boxing gloves out. <laughs> Oil grease down the ring. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Just KY jelly all over the canvas. Novelty boxing gloves. Yeah. The fight is Jake Cudlier versus an inflated Kamaru Usman. Oh, don't even. Let's not even, uh, you know, d- denigrate Kamaru Usman with. Yeah. It, 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 Muhammad Usman is he is a cardboard cutout a yeah. giant sized cardboard cutout of Kamaru Usman with the dimensions of warps like it printed badly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. I mean he, they, are, they are brothers right but uh, yeah but Usman is the he has just one of the goofiest heavyweight games he is like he's he's clearly a great athlete sure sure he's, he's really he's, agile for his yeah. size yeah He's he's strong. He's fast, but his, the way he coordinates his body is so funny. <laughs> it's it's, like it is a great example, though, too, of how speed and dexterity are actually very different things. Yeah, absolutely. He does not have. He he looks like Yo Romero. He's maybe like on par. Um, I mean, nobody's on par with Romero as an athlete, but he's in that yeah. echelon as a quick and, and powerful and strong guy. But Romero has coordination. He has proprioception. You know, things fall in the right place. One move leads to another, even when they are not technically connected in the way that well, a lesser... And his arms bend. And his arms bend. <laughs> yeah, Usman a- is just... He, he's uncoordinated. He's bouncy. He's just, he's just got, his technique is just goofy. It, he is one of the stiffest humans I've ever seen. Yeah. Like I see, it's, it's the difference between like, you can have speed, you can have strength. Dexterity is its own thing. Like, I think if this man did yoga, he would literally snap. Yeah. You know, it just seems like nothing in his body bends. He yeah. is death, death by downward dog. He, 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 he is a He-Man action figure. Yeah. And, uh, it's hilarious 
because everything that hits him means every inch of his body <laughs> has to move. Has to compensate for the impact. Yeah. 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 It's like, it, uh, it makes you think of, I watched a video once that was like a, a super slow motion comparison of a cheetah running and a greyhound running. And they're yeah. like, why are cheetahs so fast? And it's because cats are so live. Yeah. You know, like you watch the cheetah moves, it's like liquid. Like every joint yeah. is super flexible. The whole body is a spring that can coil and flex as much as it needs to, especially like the spine of the cheetah. And then you yeah. watch the greyhound running in slow motion, and it's hysterical because dogs have stiff backs. Yep. And so the greyhound is just like folding in half and unfolding repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. It's a really awkward gait. And um, Usman is one hell of a beefy greyhound. Yeah. That is how his body operates. Yeah, it really So does. anyway, I don't know what that means against Jake Cudlier. It's just so funny that yeah. like, Usman is a guy who probably cuts to make 265. And Collier is like, he's only in this division because... He, he cuts steak to make 265. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he cuts open the package of Oreos to make 265. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> it's going to be really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I have to pick, I have to pick Collier, honestly, just Do you though. Cause, cause the thing with the thing with Mr. Cuddlier is that he blows up after a round. Sure. And that could get him laid on, but he is infinitely, even as bad as he is. He's infinitely more comfortable and prepared for a fight than uh, Junior Tafa. Was it that uh, Usman beat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Junior Tafa just didn't know how, doesn't know what MMA is. Somebody right. sucker, somebody bamboozled that man, shanghaied him into the octagon. So it's like kickboxing, right? Yeah. I, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's like that scene in uh The Three Amigos where they go to the bar mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, we'll have a beer." Like the bartender's like, "Oh, we don't have beer." Oh, what do you got? We have tequila. Like is that like beer? Yeah, that's like beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he just yeah, there was an easy out and it won't be as easy but I do still think, like, after a round, like, I think after, he's going to survive. This will just be the ugliest thing. I mean, Usman could certainly win it. I think he's going to survive the onslaught. He might not, but, uh, you know, he's certainly, like, Tafa hit him with a lot of shit. And sure, yeah. he proved that he's tough, and he looks like he's, like, afraid and uncomfortable the whole time. But he kept coming up with things. He fights like he just saw a spider on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but despite, yeah, like holding his skirts up and dancing away in the most hilarious way possible, he was he proved to be very tough and quite yeah. resourceful. And he is genuinely a good wrestler. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's that's true. the thing at heavyweight that heavyweights don't know how to deal with, not just Junior Toffa. Yeah, that's true. I, I totally get your pick. I'm just saying I'm going to pick Usman. I'm going to pick Collier. I think that at some point Usman has to start getting knocked out. You can't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't be that punchable and just keep winning fights. But if he just lays, if he just falls on Collier while like he gets, 
crushed with an uppercut and just falls on Collier, that might win him around. Last person Jake Cuddlier knocked out was when he was a lot less cuddly. It was Alberto Uda, a yeah. middleweight in 2016. I know. He gets a when when he overwhelms people, it is purely a of damage because he throws everything at them. But he is yeah. not a knockout puncher. He's not. I know. You, you I have know. to break, and then it usually leads to grappling. Oh, God. Do I have to pick Usman? You don't have to pick shit. I'm just saying this is why I'm picking Usman. Okay. I'll, I'll, pick, I'll pick Usman with you. I just... It'd be I much can't. funnier if he wins. It'll be much funnier if he wins. I can't... I can't watch him. I will never be able to watch Muhammad Usman and pick him to win a fight. <laughs> Even though I picked him to beat Junior Tafa. And you just did it again. You just had to be persuaded every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never start out being like, oh, yeah, no, Muhammad Usman, he's going to win this. The thing is having enough cardio to keep wrestling and having that wrestling game is really a huge advantage at heavyweight yeah. that just, gets you out of a lot of tough spots that you're being big old hoss. Yep. It, it, it'll continue. I think to get him out of all the miserable spots, his terrible striking puts him in. Yeah. He's just a beast who can take people down. Usman is favored here. Opened at minus one fifty four. He's currently minus one thirty three. Collier opened at plus one thirty seven. He's currently plus one twenty. I hate it. It'll be hilarious though. It'll just be no matter what happens. It'll be really funny. Yeah. Um. All right. At least they didn't put it up on the main card and try to like. This could have been. This would have been the co-main event six months ago. You mm -hmm. know. Uh, all right. <laughs> it really would. That brings us to a woman's strawweight bout. Mizuki Inoue, Hannah Goldie, and hey, so, good good to six, see Inoue back. Yeah, but, but just to say, six months ago, I think you mean like two months ago. Yeah, One sure. month ago. Uh, we've had one good card, and somehow you think that the dark age is long behind us, but it yeah. really isn't. Yeah, Inoue is back. I just looked it up to find out why she's been out so long. Uh, uh, here we go. She tore her ACL. Yeah. Um, I, and sorry, what mm -hmm. were you gonna say? No, no, no. Go on. I was say, I, I unfortunately think uh, Inouye is coming to a ter to terrible grips with a reality that I wouldn't wish on anyone, honestly. And that is that. As somebody that started fighting when oh, she's what? She's 29 now. She started her career in 2010, 13 years ago. So she start, turned pro at 16. And she, I'm sure, uh, you know, so she started training karate in fourth grade. So she has uh, she's been with her current main coach since she was 11. Mm -hmm. Although she's also training out at Saralongo these days, which is good. Yeah. But the truth is that Mizuki, in a way, is not an athletic person. Probably at all. And 
she's having to find that out as she adult develops her adult body. Yeah. Because she started out as a pro athlete at a point when she did not have anything close to her adult body. She was apparently also training off and on with um, Shevchenko earlier this year. Huh. And I think it's leading to all kinds of injuries. Also, just the wear of such a long career, probably, as well. Yep. It's leading to all kinds of injuries. It's leading, led her to a fighting style that she's not really necessarily that physically prepared to maintain. And it's just like she's just kind of gotten trapped in, you know, I just feel bad for her, honestly. Like, this is why I don't like to see fighters become pros when they are teenagers when they're kids Mm -hmm. because like what else you know you do that like by the time you're an adult what else are you going to do first of all you you know you have spent all of the years that most people spend getting an education fighting and you may not actually be you may find out by the time you get to a point where you should be in your physical prime that you're not actually physically adept for this line of work. True. And I guess you become a coach. Yeah. In a way, might become a very good coach someday. She certainly has a level of uh, technical, you know, depth to her game. Mm -hmm. an, An intellectually curious fighter. Yeah. She has a pretty broad array of skills that she likes to use. Yeah, that might be good, but I just, you know, I think she'll win this fight. I just don't, I don't know. I I, I have a very, like, I think she loves fighting, so it's a different thing than Jordan Meehan. Yeah. But it's a, you know, it's just that kind of thing of, like, you really get spent a lot of prime years of your youth in something that is not going to that has not been kind to you is how yeah it i mean it hasn't been that cruel to her she's you know she's still a, by far a mostly winning fighter she's she's certainly better i mean this is the thing you haven't said yet she's certainly better than haney and goldie yeah no i think she's gonna win but like it's just, she she's 29 and she hasn't fought for three years yeah I, I don't feel that bad for her mostly because as you said i i also get the impression that she likes it you know yeah she likes I think it. she's doing what yeah. she loves it's and uh, i think she's still in that article i just looked up to see why she'd been out she was talking about yeah training with shevchenko and she's like how motivated she's been and like i think she loves it yeah no it, it it's it's fine it's just another it's just i don't know the the whole she, like she necessarily needs to be a champion to feel that she's succeeded in her fighting career so sure um i get what you're saying but i uh, just hate to see the i hate to see kids get into become pro athletes and the weight of expectation they get in something like MMA, like I, any contact sport, honestly, like I know, like it works sure. out in golf and tennis a lot, but any contact sport where somebody ends up being a pro and getting paid a lot and, and like the, well, not getting paid a lot in MMA, yeah. 
but the potential to make a lot of money and get a huge, huge weight of expectation on them when they're like 17, 18, 19. I'm just like, this is not, this is not a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So. I have. I mean, a, I mean I, like yeah, that. but you know, it's not, none of this is uh, really pertains to, to this fight, except that no. it is certainly possible that Inoue will look a little rusty. Yeah, but, no, I uh, beat Hannah Goldie. Hannah, Hannah Goldie is a athletic, fairly blank slate in yeah. the cage. So. Yeah, who just got like thrashed by Molly McCann? Who, like, yeah. Inoue doesn't hit that hard. Uh, she's not quite that aggressive, but she will absolutely be content to walk Goldie down and poke her with shots. And Goldie is not going to come up with the right counters to exploit no. the fact that a problem that Inouye has had often, which is that she she tends to lead with her head yeah, and she tends to fall in on her shots. And there it becomes critical that her uh, defense, which is which is a lot better developed than a lot of other women in this division. But it becomes really critical that she she puts herself in positions where she really needs her defense to work for her. Yeah, she puts herself uh, in positions, which, which I think it is, is like she puts herself in positions where she expects to be athletically dominant, and she isn't. You know, that's yeah. I, like I say, I think a lot of it for Inouye is she has a game built around the idea that when she was a sixteen-year-old, right, she was like this super fast, super you know. Stronger, faster, more aggressive, hard-bitten phenom. And then now she's a 30-year-old who is just kind of an okay athlete. And she's getting herself to these positions where somebody else who is actually a physical phenom yeah. still is just like, no, I'm not going to let you just throw me down. Yeah. I'm going to punish you a lot. And unfortunately, she's a little small for the division as well, in a way. Yeah. Uh, as are, I, I think, a lot of Japanese fighters in the UFC. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick her. Oh, Gold yeah, no, is, no. Hannah Goldie's game does not exist. Goldie is a fighter who should be physically aggressive, who should be incredibly on the front foot all the time, bullying forward, pushing people to the fence, putting her head down and just driving on them constantly, even if she doesn't develop a better striking game, even if she doesn't develop better anything, all of her game should exist on the front forward as a bully. Mm -hmm. And instead, it all exists on the back foot. And she doesn't counterpunch. She's not a counter-striker at all. So she's on her back foot all the time. And she doesn't counter. Yeah. And it's basically just a you, she is at the will of whatever you want to throw at her. Yeah. You know, it is she she grew she came to fruition under the coaching system that produced Alec Nicholson or Alex Nicholson and Mike Perry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it should really be a testament to what a surprisingly uh, reasonable and understanding fighter Mike Perry can be at times <laughs> that he came out of that system the fighter that he is Mike Perry is genuinely a bit of a sponge yeah he has 
had some shocking moments of development at multiple points in his career where he's just strapped on some new skills yeah. and doesn't always win, but it's always like he's, he actually kind of knows how to do this. Yeah, no, Mike Perry is, like I say, I've, I've said this for years and people think it's a, A, they don't understand, I don't think people understand how sad it is. B, people I don't understand how serious I am about this. I think Mike Perry is the smartest guy Mike Perry knows. Yeah, undeniably true. Like everybody around Mike Perry that he hangs out with is dumber than him. Is an absolute dunce. Yes. Mike Perry is the smart guy. You know? Yeah. Except probably for his girlfriend. I think she's probably smarter than him. I'm imagining now a version of Stand By Me where it's like a young Mike Perry as like the, you know, the future writer who's like chronicling. uh, Surely Alex Nicholson is the one who dies, but not by heroically intervening. He does like some Mark Wahlberg shit where he like, (laughs) you know, just like gets into a bar fight with a Korean man and gets stabbed (laughs) to death. And then Mike Perry is like writing a book rife with spelling errors many years later. <laughs> it's like he was not really a good man, my friend. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Anyway, so, how do we get onto that? Anna Goldie's worse than Mike Perry. And like, because Anna Goldie's coming out of that same school and you yeah. can see what kind of MMA they teach and it sucks. Yes. Um and yeah, so anyway should win this. But I don't, I don't know. In a way, in, in a way is a case where I still will just continually return and argue, like, you have a kid that wants to be a pro fighter. Let them fight as an amateur. Get them to the biggest, best camp you can. And try to convince them to spend their time otherwise competing in another sport. <laughs> get them in jujitsu and get them to be a, a, a to compete in jujitsu tournaments. Get them into wrestling and get them to try to become a state champion wrestler. Get them into boxing and try to get them to be a gold gloves boxer. Whatever else, but don't let them be a pro MMA fighter. Out of their region, the, your small local karate school at 15 years old, you are not doing them a favor, you know? Yeah. That's my spiel. All right. Uh, odds here, Inaway is a big favorite. Opened at minus 265, currently down at minus 299. Goldie opened at plus 228, it's currently up at plus 253. So, yeah, it's fine. All right, that brings us to a woman's bantamweight bout, Montserrat Rendon against Tamirez Vidal. A name I had never encountered before. Now we have two Montserrats in the UFC. Right? It's a cool name, honestly. It is, yeah. Would you, do you think, do, do you think these fighters would rather go by Monty or Sarah? Neither. One of them goes by Conejo. Yeah. <laughs> like as her given name now, I think. Well, she goes by Montserrat Conejo. Oh, that's right. She replaced her last name with Conejo. Yeah. Which, which, which means what? Does it mean hair? Like a cunny? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a hair. I have no idea. 
I do like foreign nicknames. I should find out. Yeah. Rendon's is monster, which is, you know, fine, unimaginative, but fine. At least it sounds good. Montserrat, monster, Rendon. Yeah, it's fine. It's Uh, it's the base level of creativity I ask for out of MMA, which is not a high level. Montserrat is an island in the Caribbean called the Emerald Isle of the Caribbean. For its resemblance to Ireland and for the Irish ancestry of many of its inhabitants. Anyway, I don't know. I do like I do like foreign nicknames though. You know how like if you didn't speak English, you'd be like, "Why is the nickname for Robert Bob?" Mm-hmm. And uh, in like Portuguese, like Eduardo is is Dudu. Yeah. And uh, Andre is Dede. It do, it means jagged mountain, so serrated mountain mountain. Okay, serrated. all right. Mount Mount Surat. Surat. Yeah. Hmm. So the knife would work. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't know. There's something in there. We're really avoiding talking about this last fight. Yeah. Uh is it me? I, I don't remember. It's it's you. Okay, it's me. Uh Tamara's Vidal is bad but confident. Yeah. And Montserrat Rendon is solid and probably lacks a little of the necessary aggression to the it lacks a little youthful aggression i would yeah. say um unfortunately for rendon she's in her mid 30s already yeah so uh she might you know she might pick up a few things in the next couple of years that uh add on to her game a little but most likely she's just going to be a, oh, what could have been if this fighter had started earlier. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Cause she's, she's pretty, she, she has the beginnings of a like boxing game. Yeah. It's a very, is she a training partner to Grasso and them? No, it doesn't look like it. Yeah. She does remind me of uh, Irena Aldana a bit. Yeah. But much, much more raw. Like yeah. uh, there are a lot of moments where her her head movement is very hinky, yeah. and her footwork kind of falls apart. She like struggles to throw her backhand without without like leaving the ground with her back foot. Yeah. Um, but she does like rely on a jab. She does like constantly make adjustment steps. She has the beginnings of a decent boxing game. Yep. But it's and just the beginnings. Vidal is just a sort of. I'm way outside. I'm going to try something and we'll see if it hits you really hard fighter. And then I'll cling, I'll a swinging cling fighter. You know, I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll grapple up with you afterward to stop more offense from coming my way. Mm -hmm. And then we'll reset and do the whole thing again. So I got to take Rendon. Uh, It just seems like a pretty standard pick, but Vidal could, you know, if if, uh, Rendon is 10 years younger, if, if or, or Vidal is ten years younger, if she, if Rendon gets uncomfortable at any play, point in this fight, there's a chance that Rendon or that uh, Vidal could just like sleep her with something wild. You know. Yeah, I I am kind of tempted to pick Vidal, but I mean I do I do like Rendon's game a lot more, but part of it is that Rendon is basically never fought a good opponent there is that um she has a a game which looks to me because of those like 
uh, those like sort of bad like reactions under duress that I mentioned, the fact that she will like abandon her stance um, or yank her head out of position and off balance herself in response to pressure to say to me that like this, 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 this solid foundational game that she's been developing is probably pretty fragile that yeah. like, but I, you know, usually I would want to say that an opponent who can like pressure would definitely break that apart. Vidal can't really consistently pressure, but she can like just dash forward and bomb on people, which, um, I can see that working. Like, I don't, I don't know as yet if Rondon has ever like been hit really hard by a good athlete yeah. in any of these fights. I mean, she hasn't fought any good athletes. Um, most people just kind of stumble after her. I think it makes her footwork look better than it is. Sure. But she does stay on that jab. Yeah, whatever. I'll pick her. I'll pick yeah. her and don't. Vidal, actually, her, her record is surprisingly good. Exactly. That's what I mean. Um, she has fought good fighters, and she knows how to deliver that power. It is it is a record, though, that doesn't... It, that also, like, a little extra examination makes it look a lot worse, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, she got like, uh, a win over Eileen Perez by yeah, getting, by getting uh, kneed illegally. Yeah. She beat Quelia Braga via heel hook, which is never, to me, a, like a great sign of, like, oh, here's a replicable result. Yeah. And then her win over wins over Martina Jindrova and Yana Gadelha, who both seem to have pretty decent records at the time. You click through and you realize that both those mm-hmm. fighters have lost most of their fights since that moment. Yeah. And then, of course, the only UFC performance she had is over possibly the worst fighter in the entire organization. Yeah. Ramona Pasquale. So. So yeah, I take Rendon. At least her game makes sense. Yeah, exactly. But. Uh, interestingly, odds here are really in favor of Tamira's Vidal. I'm, I don't understand that. Opened We're it. We're really impressed with that flying knee. She landed on, again, the worst fighter on the roster. <laughs> yeah, she opened at minus 201. Is currently at minus 219. Rendon opened at plus 178. Is currently plus 193. I mean, I just wouldn't bet on this fight at all. Absolutely not. Um, but... At the worst, this just seems like a pick 'em fight to me. You know, Rendon is uh she's five foot eight compared yeah. to you know, Vidal is five six and Pasquale, who she fought last time out, is five foot seven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's bigger and she's a much better athlete than Pasquale, and she's got a much more sensible MMA game. And Vidal is just messy. Like it's yeah. all just mess. But I really can see it working. I mean, yeah, just crash in and throw a big bomb and see if Rendon yanks her head straight back and just gets clobbed, clobbered sure. with it. Sure, could totally see that happening. She, she, Vidal trains out of a, an MMA gym that, in the most Brazilian way possible, is called Team Brothers. And does not appear to be run by brothers. <laughs> that is a joke name too perfect to have been invented. Like, well, I don't even know. I can't even say why it's so perfect. But Team it's, Brothers is such a Brazilian joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we've got Mirajo Brothers. We've got Pitbull Brothers. He's just brothers. It's just Team Brothers. <laughs> cool. 
All right. Anyway, for our special Substack subscribers, we will have a little vivisection select. Subscribers only. Subscribers only. Come on over, big boy. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, we'll see you all next time. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.